Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All across this house, why don't you lift up your hands and your voice? I think it would be a good opportunity for somebody to magnify him and somebody to give him praise here tonight. Oh, we bless your holy name. We give you glory and honor, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. Whatever you have need of, amen, whatever you're feeling, you just go ahead and lift it up before the Lord. Jesus, we give you glory today. We give you glory today, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Amen. Praise God. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 12. The word of the Lord says. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people... If I, if I, if I, if I. And then finally it flips over and says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people shall humble themselves and pray, and I want to I preach, and I've been teaching a lot about prayer, and recently I felt to preach about prayer. And uh, I want to preach on this subject, the prerequisites of prayer. The prerequisites of prayer. Would you set down your Bible, and let's pray all across this house. Hallelujah. Surely there's many needs that are represented in this house. And I, I pray that this word would bless each and every individual and hopefully give us answers and help us and cause us to grow in the Lord and grow in prayer and grow in what God is doing in us and through us. And I pray, Lord, that this word would touch each and every heart, Jesus. We give you praise and we give you glory and honor in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. The prerequisites of prayer this is undoubtedly one of the most famous verses in the scriptures at least among apostolic people i know of other folks that uh, ignore verses like this but not the apostolic church we love uh, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. It's one of the first verses I actually ever memorized in my pursuit 
of learning the Bible, and it has gotten me through a lot, and I think it's important that, uh, I think it's a good verse, that, that anytime you find a verse, let me just say this, get yourself a three by five index card and write it down. On the front, you can write the, the verse that, uh, where it's found, and then you can write on the back uh, what the verse says. And, and, and it's something about that, that writing it down and reciting it and rehearsing it. And, and uh, there's, a whole, there's a whole message and thought that I've got on that about meditating uh, on the, the law of the Lord. And, and he'll make your, your path straight and he'll help you. And there's a lot of good stuff there. But I think there's something about taking the word of God and implanting it into our heart. But, but this verse, as with many other verses, we take it at that, that part that just seems to be maybe uh, speaking to us or a little more poetic. Uh, but there's, other, there's, there's, there's another thing called context. And context is the verses before and the verses afterwards. And if we're not careful, we'll fall in the same trap we blame everybody else for. And uh, that's taking verses out of context. There's a whole slew of religions out there and churches out there that will cherry pick one verse and ignore the verses before it and the verses after it. Uh, but to fully understand how a verse is to be interpreted, we've got to look at everything surrounding it. It's one of the ways that we can interpret properly. I know there's some people that if I were to ask them how they're saved, they would quote me John 3.16. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I want to tell you, that's a beautiful verse. It's a wonderful verse. We love that verse. Amen. It does encapsulate what Jesus Christ came to do on the earth. But if you ask them to tell you what the first 15 verses say, there's going to be dead silence. Nobody's going to tattoo except a man be born again of water and spirit uh, on their cheek. I don't, I don't see them doing that at football games. It just, it's not as popular, but there's something about context that will help us understand a little better. And in this context, we see that the house of the Lord has been built by Solomon. And it is here in the previous chapter that Solomon is going through and he is dedicating and he's bringing the he's bringing this house of the Lord uh, and he's starting it off right he's starting it off by praying to the Lord for Israel and in this prayer he begins to mention specific things that if there be a dearth in the land if there be pestilence if there be blasting or mildew he goes down this whole list of all these negative things and then he begins to describe that we will come to this house and we will pray. Amen. He is saying that we have made a determination that we have built this house for a specific purpose. This is why we quote the verse that says that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations and for all people. Amen. It was dedicated to be a house of prayer. It was, it was dedicated and it was intended long ago that the house of the Lord would be a place of prayer. And God is reverberating this prayer back and he is answering this prayer that is made by Solomon. And he is telling the people that if, if, the, if this, this happens to come to pass that I shut up the heaven and there be no rain. 
or if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. And he starts going down, and he's, he's not hitting every last thing, but he's getting it all in there, that if something negative were to happen, that I am going to do something. There's, there's something negative out there in this world, and I want to tell you the answer to the negativity that is out there in the world. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Amen. It is that, that concept that there is negativity in the world. There will be trouble in the world. There will be pestilence. There will be famine. There will be sickness. There will be all sorts of things happening in the world. But I want to tell you that, that, that God Almighty is giving us a revelation in verse number 14 that, that, that there's going to be all these negative things that happen. But there is a difference maker on earth, and it is his people. There is a people on the earth that affects the world. It's not the world that affects the people. It's the people. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and magnify him. Somebody shout unto the Lord. I want you to know that you got power. You got power when you pray. You got power to affect what's going on out there. That if his people in here would begin to pray and seek his face, everything out there aligns to the prayer in here. Oh, somebody clap your hands and magnify him. It is the church that is the answer for the world's problems. It is the church that prays that is the answer to the pestilence in our world. It is a church that prays that is the answer, amen, to economic troubles in our world. It is the church that prays that is the answer to civil unrest in our society. It is the church that prays that is the answer, amen, to carnal things like racism and prejudice. It is the church that prays, amen, those things out there, they are nothing compared to a church that's praying right in here. Oh, somebody love him. Let's do that for just a moment. I think it would be a good time for us to pray and to just call on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The church is the difference maker, not the world. So many people make their decisions based on what's happening in the world. But that's not the way that it should be. I know that's the way it is for some people. Uh, but there's something known as an ideal. The ideal is what should be and what could be. And uh, too many people live with what is. And they never go beyond what is. And they never stretch and reach for the ideal. The what could be. And, and a church that doesn't pray. They just, they, just, they just wallow in what is. And they don't affect what is. And, and they become bound by what is. And this is why churches can get wrapped up in civil and social issues and they can get wrapped up in the media and they can get wrapped up in everything that they hear a church that doesn't pray the carnal mind the bible says is the enemy of god amen you want to know how to be the enemy of God? Stop praying. Don't pray. Don't seek God. Don't ask God to change your mind. Don't ask God to renew your mind. Don't ask God to give you that mind which was also in Christ Jesus. But you want to know how to be the friend of God? You get on your knees and pray. 
Hallelujah. You want to know how you can align yourself with heaven? It's when you pray and you say, Lord, I know that there's a bunch of mess in our world, but I'm one of those people that will pray. The first prerequisite of prayer is the petition. If my people, and I, I think that's important to note, if my people, because there's no guarantee in the eyes of God that his people will pray. Because he's just got done listing all of the negativity and all of the things that could happen. And there is something to that that causes the rest of the world to fall deeper and deeper and deeper. When something negative happens, something bad happens, our world gets worse and worse and worse, and they seem to not be able to recover, and it snowballs, and it, and it, gets, it starts rolling down the proverbial hill, and it starts collecting more problems and more issues, and, and eventually it steamrolls through everything else. And, and there's an understanding there from God. There's a revelation from God that, that these things can affect the mind of his people. These things can get into the emotions of his people. But he's giving us, uh, amen, a little, a little hope here that if we decide uh, to not be affected by all of that, if we decide uh, to not allow those things externally to hinder us from doing what we ought to do internally in the house of the Lord, uh, that if his people will, will humble themselves and pray, uh, amen, there's going to be something that shifts and something that changes. If, there's a big if. And every person's got to ask themselves that question. When the if comes, what will I do? When all these things, because you better believe it, it's coming. Chaos is coming, Noah. <laughs> Chaos is showing up. It, there will be rain, but there's got to be somebody that determines when the rain comes. I've already built a boat. I've already built an ark. I've already built a prayer life. I've all Amen. There will come trouble. Amen. There will come issues, but there will be people that are on this side of if that said, yes, Lord, even when the rain descends. Yes, Lord, even when the fire's fallen. Yes, Lord, even when there's chaos surrounding me, I will be in that group that is made up in their mind that I will pray. We like to talk, and I've been teaching a lot about what happens during prayer. And I've even talked and preached a lot. We've heard a lot about about what comes after prayer, the answer. But there's this other side, and it's what comes before prayer. And what comes before prayer is often the very thing that drives us to pray. It's what causes the petition to show up. It's often the issues that arise in our world or in our personal life that cause us to hit our knees and pray. And, and, and I, wanna, I want you to know that there will come trouble. I've said it multiple times, but I'm trying to get it through to somebody that you can't avoid it. You can't escape it. It's coming. If it hasn't already showed up or it isn't already there, you better get ready because rain will fall. But there is a determination that's made in the mind of an individual that even when that comes, I will make sure that I pray. 
Now that you know chaos is coming and trouble is coming, you can start shifting your mindset and say, Lord, when that comes, I'm not backsliding. When that comes, I'm not quitting. When that comes... You already told me that you might shut up the heavens. You already told me there might be drought. You already told me there might be pestilence. You already told me there might be trouble. That all showed up well before the prayer. But I want to use that as an indicator that it's time to hit my knees and pray. Too often we, we see all of these things that we get entrapped by what is the storm that's going on around us or in us and we forget that it's God blowing a horn and a whistle and he's telling us uh, it's time to pray and often uh, it, it's, it's, it's like the natural body that you have sensors of pain, uh, amen, that, that are running. you got nerves in your body that the moment you get next to something that's too hot or you, you, get, next, you get next to something that's too cold or whatever the case may be, it will send you signals. It will warn you that if you touch that it will burn you. If you touch that, it'll hurt you. And, and it, it sends that to you. And, and people, if we are not careful, we don't listen to the indicators. And we go all the way to the extreme. And we lay our hands right into the fire and it burns us. And then we wonder why we feel burnt. Amen. It's because God was sending warning signals and God was trying to send things to our spirit that it's time to pray. I don't want to wait until I'm in the middle of every bit of trouble. I don't want to wait until everything's collapsed around me. If Noah would have waited till the first drop of rain, it would have been too late, and he would have been lost like everybody else. I want to look around my world and see the indicators and say, Lord, I'm going to start making my petition. I'm going to start making my request. I'm not waiting one more problem. I'm not waiting for one more trial. I'm going to hit my knees, and I'll be part of the group that, that prays and seeks your face. Oh, somebody lift up your voice and magnify him. Come on. Let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, you got to thank God for all of these indicators, uh, all of these signs, uh, all of these warning signals, uh, all of these all of these things that are letting you know it's time uh, to be one of those people that says, I will pray. If my people. The if is the first part. But I want you to notice, it says, if my people humble themselves and pray. Didn't say anything about going and doing all these other things in our world. Though let the world be the world. The church has got to be the church. It doesn't say, and I don't want to offend anybody, I believe we have the right to protest. I believe in that. I don't think rioting's all right, but I believe we have the right to protest and, and do it peacefully. But at the same time, the Bible never says if they protest. The Bible never says if they vote, and praise God, you ought to vote if, it, if, you're, if you have the uh, willingness to do it and you have the right to do it, you might as well. But it never says if they post on Facebook or Instagram. It never says if they complain to everybody they know. If they just, they just seem to not, not like what's going on. And it doesn't go down all these other things. It just has one remedy for all the problems out there. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Amen. We've got all these other fixes we're looking towards and we're trying to find the duct tape of our society. But God's saying I don't want to just duct tape and jimmy rig the society. I want my people to hit their knees and pray and I want to heal the society. I want to heal their land. Oh, somebody lift up your voice and let's pray. Come on. 
God's not looking for the quick fix. God's looking to do the healing. God's looking to do the full delivering. But there's got to be a people. There's got to be a church that says, I made it up in my mind. I'm going to bring my petition before the Lord. Often what precedes prayer is all of these troubles, all of these trials. It's, it's these negative things. Amen. It's the impossibility that precedes a miracle. There's got to be impossibilities. If there was not impossibilities and other things, we may never hit our knees to pray. And it's at this moment I want to thank God for everything that I ever disliked during the time that ever got me to pray. Because let's be real, Jonah, there's a whale and there's a storm and there's people that throw you overboard. But at the end of it all, when you go down and you find the pressure of the deep, uh, it caused Jonah to finally hit his knees and pray for the first time uh, in a long time. And there's just something about those negative times and hard times and broke times and sick times uh, that caused people to say, Lord, I will pray. And so... The prerequisite of prayer, first and foremost, is whatever it takes to make you give your petition to the Lord. Bringing your petition. Then I want you to notice what else he said. And I think this is interesting and very important to note. They shall humble themselves and pray. In other words, there's another prerequisite of prayer. And it's your posture. It's your position. It's your posture. It's our approach. Our approach and our posture has got to come, amen, from humility. Humility, not pride. And, and there's, there's people who say, well, I don't have any pride. And unfortunately, every last one of us, that when we look in the mirror, you've got to remind yourself that, yes, you and I both and all of us have pride. It's inside of us. And, and it might not be the vanity of other people that take selfies every day. And it may not be all of these other things where people think they're the greatest at everything they do, even though it may not be true. And it's not that level of pride. But, but it's the pride, amen, that we find in Psalms 53 and 1, where it says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity there is none that doeth good the bible would continue to say that god looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand any that did seek God, because God looks down at a world and what makes somebody a fool. Amen. The Bible says that it is the beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The difference between a wise person and a fool is whether or not they fear the Lord. It's whether or not they have an understanding that there is a God above them all, through them all, and in them all. We like to use this verse when talking about atheists and said the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Amen. It didn't say anything about speaking it out of your mouth. And though we know that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Uh, but I've met a lot of people since I've been saved uh, in the church uh, that are just as much a fool uh, as any, any atheist in the world. Uh, because although they've never said it with their mouth, uh, they've lived a life as if there was no God. Uh, they've made, amen, prayers as if there was no God. I want you to know that when you pray, you got to make it up in your heart and in your mind. I am praying to the Lord. 
I know that when I pray, God's going to hear me. I know that God is real, and I know that God is going to hear from heaven, and God's going to heal my situation. I know that God's going to be here, and he's going to hear, and he's going to heal my family. I know that God's going to hear. You got to be careful that you don't let your heart lie to you. It's deceitful. And above all things, desperately wicked. Uh, your heart will tell you God's not listening. Uh, your heart will tell you God's not paying attention. But you got to say, Heart, uh, you've been too foolish. I know that the Lord is going to hear me. There's another side to this. He said that he looked down on the children of men to see if there's anybody that understood or anybody that sought the Lord because there's something about this concept of a prerequisite of prayer that your petition is one of the prerequisites whether or not you even amen decide to pray but there's also something to it where our approach and our our, our posture amen it's got to be Humble. It's got to come from a position of humility that understands, amen, that I need to pray. You know, it's pride that says I don't need anybody's help. It's pride that says I don't need an answer. It's pride that says I'll figure it out on my own. Uh, you might have said, well, it's because I'm a strong individual. No, 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 no. You're a prideful individual. Uh, well, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just a little hard-headed and stiff-necked. Uh, welcome to the rest of it. I call it pride. Uh, amen. That uh, refuses uh, to bow the knee. It's pride that says, I will not seek the Lord. It's pride that says, I won't pray. It's pride that says, I won't even ask God to help me. I want you to know, amen, that, that God desires to help. God desires to answer. God is listening, waiting. Is there anybody that will seek me? Is there anybody that will pray? And there's got to be a people called by his name that have enough humility to say, God, I don't have the answers for the world, but I know the answer for the world. God, I don't have an answer for everything going on. I can't think my way out of it. I can't pay my way out of it. I can't beg my way out of it. I can't work my way out of it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to remove my pride out of it and I'm going to bend my knee and I'm going to get enough humility to say I can't do it by myself. I need some help. I wish there was somebody that would make it up in their mind. I won't be a fool. I won't be a fool. I'll bow my knee. I'll humble myself. My posture when I come to pray is I need God. Oh, somebody love him. Somebody love him. Come on, I came to help you here today. There's got to be enough humility that says I need God. I might have been saved for 30 years. Amen. But I still need God. Oh, somebody love him. Somebody love him. It is pride. It is pride that will cause somebody to say, to, to learn enough about God to no longer need God. Because you can, you can put enough quotes on your wall. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You can do enough religious things, but never humble ourselves enough to bow the knee and actually pray. Because although there's chaos going on around us, there's some pride inside us that says, no, I've I become, and, and this is sad, I hope it never is the case, but sometimes we get too dignified to bow our knee and pray. And, and it, I want to tell you, it's pride that causes somebody to say, I'll, I'll let all the visitors pray. 
but I'm not going to pray. Uh, You know, and and, and this is the way I've decided to live for myself. You can choose whether or not you want to live for it. I've decided every time there's preaching going on, whether it's on Holy Ghost Radio, whether I'm listening to my pastor preach uh, online or in person, uh, I made it up in my mind, it's me, oh Lord, that's standing in the need of whatever's being said. And I might need, I might not need that preaching right now, but I put it in my pocket, I hit the altar, and I say, Lord, help me to have a good memory that when I do need this message, when this message is for me, I'll have enough humility to go back and reach to it and bring it into my life and pray about it. We've got to be willing to humble ourselves before we go to pray. Because there's no good in just coming before the Lord. And, and, and made it up in your mind, Lord, and, and I know people do this, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of teaching, preaching, preaching, all this good stuff, but I'm trying to help somebody. I know people, and this is how we think, and I do it sometimes, that I go to pray because I've taught myself and I've gotten in the habit where I know I'm going to hit my knees and pray, but I bring with me all my troubles and all my problems, uh, and I bring them to the Lord, uh, and then I say, oh, God, uh, would you help the church? Would you help me? Would you help? And all that stuff, and I, I, I lay it down before the Lord for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, and then before it's all said and done, uh, amen, uh, my pride gets the best of me and I pick it back up and and I take it back home with me. Amen, I didn't do a whole lot when I prayed in that time uh, because I allowed my pride uh, to say, God, uh, I want you to take care of it. And I felt so so at ease uh, during that time of prayer uh, because I felt the comforter. I felt the Holy Ghost. uh, I felt the lifter of burdens. uh, Amen, but then I left and uh, I know there's other people in this house. uh, You pray and you feel good, but when you get done, praying and it's been a couple hours you feel that weight I want to tell you what that weight is my Bible says cast all your cares upon him for he careth for you he didn't say, let me just rent it for, for a little while. No, he didn't say, let me borrow it for a little while. He said, cast it. You throw it as far as you can muster, and you cast it on me, and I'll catch it. I'll take it, and you don't have to worry about it. But there's something called pride that says, Lord, I'll let you take care of it for a little while, but I got it the rest of the time. But I want to tell you, amen, the way that you get your answer is you humble yourself and say, Lord, I've carried this all the way to the prayer meeting, but I will not carry it a moment longer. I will not I will not carry it another day. I will not carry this back into another church service. I will not carry this back into another worship service. I will not carry this back into another prayer meeting. I humble myself and I lay it before you. Somebody pray. Let's love him all across this building. Come on. You got to make your petition, but there's got to be enough humility to say, God, when you answer, I will receive your answer. When you take these burdens, I won't pick them back up. I know and I believe you're greater than I am. You're stronger than I am. You can handle it better than I can. Amen. Something about that, I know I've done it before. It's something I always have to fight with. And, and it's, I believe, I believe that somebody can do a good job. I do. I believe, man, they can do a great job. And I put it in their hands. I've actually had to rebuke myself and apologize sometimes. Where I put it in their hands. And then all of a sudden, I started rethinking it after a little while. and thought, no, i got to take that back. 
because they can't do as good of a job as me. It's one thing to do it with somebody when you maybe, and a good leader once said, if somebody can do it 55% or better than you, let them do it. And so uh, good, you're, if you do all the work, you're not a good leader. You're just a hard worker. But, uh, but there's, there's another story there. But, but there's something about that where we, where we give it to the Lord and we trust in that moment that he's going to take care of it. But all of a sudden pride rises up and says, you know, I think I could do a little better of a job. Mm, you know, God, you, mm, I don't know. I think I think I can take care of that better than you can. And, and, and I want you to know that your God is much bigger than you might be giving him credit for. He flung the stars in the sky. He knows each and every one of them by name. He's got every hair on your head numbered. Might be easier for some folks, but he's got it all figured out. If a sparrow falls from the sky, he already knows before it hits to the ground. And he says, I can take care of you if these lilies know how to be clothed by God. Amen. I want you to know that God can take care of everything that we face. Somebody love him. Come on, lift up your voice and magnify him. James 4 and 10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Amen. The Bible says in, in, in the book of First, First Peter, it says that you should humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And in due season, due time, he will exalt. He will lift us up. Amen. Uh, there's something about being lifted up. And I know we use that as a leadership principle. And I think it's good. Uh, amen. But there's something about coming to the Lord uh, with a spirit of humility uh, and, and understanding our posture, understanding our position, uh, understanding that his ways are above our ways. That his thoughts are above our thoughts and, and I can bring it before the Lord and I know uh, that God's going to make a way and God's going to give me an answer but I've got to have enough humility that says Lord I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept whatever you give me uh, I'm going to accept the answer you give me uh, I know people that will pray as long as God will say yes uh, Amen. they'll take it before the Lord as long as God agrees with their will uh, but there's got to be somebody that prays just like Jesus uh, not my will but thy will be done uh, and they hit the their knees and they have enough humility to say Lord whatever it is I receive it I want you to lift me up however you see fit I want you to exalt me to the level you think I should be exalted I want you to help me in the way that you think I need help having enough humility to say God your ways are better than my ways humility to say God I have needs that only you can supply amen Finally, I've got a couple more here. The next prerequisite of prayer is understanding that the possibilities are determined by faith. There is an attitude that we have to come into prayer with. Our attitude and our, 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 our attitude or understanding is going to be faith. We have to determine that we are going to have, amen, a, a, an attitude of faith that believes that the possibilities are determined by my level of faith and not by the facts. Amen. Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must, must Believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
Amen. When we come to pray, we've got to come with a posture of humility. Yes, we've got to bring, amen, our, 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 our problems. We've got to bring with us our petition. All of those are prerequisites. But there's another prerequisite. We've got to make sure that we're bringing with us, amen, an attitude that is built on faith. Amen. It's not time, amen, for us to live our lives based on the probabilities of what could be. But we've got to look at what the possibilities of what could be. There's got to be enough faith that goes beyond the probabilities. Probabilities are nothing more than facts of data and chance. Amen. It just flips a coin and says it could be or it could not be. Amen. But there's something about praying in faith and coming before the Lord in prayer. And you pray in faith that looks beyond the probability, that looks beyond percentages that looks beyond the data that looks beyond we walk by faith and not by sight we walk by faith and not by the facts because the facts will lie and they'll tell you it's not possible but my bible tells me that with god nothing 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 shall be impossible I wish somebody would clap their hands and give him praise. When you, pray, when you come to pray, you got to come with an attitude of faith that says, what is God about to do? I believe him. I trust him. I know that God is more than able. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Come on, let's love him. Come on, I know it's easy. I know it's easy to fall in the trap of the probabilities. And you look at the percentages of what, what, what everybody else says it could be and what all the facts say it could be. But when you come into pray, you got to look beyond all that. I know when you start, you see the mountain, how big it is. But faith says we can move that mountain. Faith says we can tell that mountain to be cast into the sea. I know what this is because this, if anything else, if I could be honest, is one of the biggest things I struggle with. I'm a very logical and factual individual. I've calculated out every option of how everything can go wrong. But I want to tell you, pessimism is not a gift of the Spirit. <laughs> pessimism is not an act of God. I know, I know, I know. I'm preaching real good to some of us here today uh, that walks in and says, well, uh, hey, this is what the doctor said, and it's probably going to be this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, these are all the possibilities. And I got on WebMD and found out all the ways that I could die over, amen, getting uh, stung by a bee and all these things. And uh, I figured it out, and I've calculated the possibilities. Uh, you can ask my wife. I've got a graph and a spreadsheet, and I've got charts, and I've got, and I want to lay it all up and say, look uh, at how everything can go wrong. Uh, but there's some that God gave me when I got the Holy Ghost that says I know all the possibilities better than most people but there's a chance you got to have the faith that even if the probability is one in a million you say so you're telling me there's a chance you're telling me there's a possibility you're telling me that it could happen Oh, somebody clap your hands. We're people of faith. We're people of faith. We're people of faith. And we've got to use it. We've got to walk into prayer with it. If you're not careful, you'll fall into that trap. When I know when I'm being carnal because I look at how everything could go wrong. And I start getting, I start getting so stressed out 
that, 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 my, that my muscle starts to spasm and my back starts going out and I don't know what's going on. I start to itch and I don't know what's going on and I'm so stressed out because all the fact, I know when I'm getting carnal because I'm looking at everything that could go wrong and, and I want to tell you that if you live your life based on pessimism, if you live your life based on what could go wrong, you'll never live a life of faith. You got to get beyond uh, the carnal mind. Uh, I know it's hard. I'm preaching from experience, uh, but you got to say, Lord, uh, when I bring my petition, uh, when I come with the right posture, I'm coming with the right attitude as well. And it's faith. Uh, it's faith. Luke 15, 8 and 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Jarius had a daughter who was 12 years old, and she was dying. And on the way to meet with that daughter, there came a servant. And you better believe in life, there's always going to be somebody else that shows up first. And there's going to be this little messenger. you got to beware of the messenger. The messenger that shows up, and it, it, it may not come in person. It might come through somebody you, you have as a friend or a family member. It might come through some other means. And that messenger will show up and say, don't trouble the master. No, 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 no. And they'll start telling you all the re Listen, I've just learned a long time ago. I, I get around me people that can help me see objectively, but I remove from people that have nothing but pessimism. There's a big difference between people that have objective reasoning and they can help you see the other side. And I think people that don't have objective reasoning in their life, uh, they're so unbalanced. Uh, they go to one extreme or the other and nobody can tell them they got a bad idea. Nobody can tell them that they are investing their money in the wrong area or their life in the wrong area. Nobody can give them instruction. I think that's wrong. Uh, but if you only surround yourself with people like the messenger that say don't even try, uh, it's not worth it. Uh, amen. God gives you a gift. Uh, God gives you a dream. God gives you a purpose and they want to tell you well it's a little dumb you shouldn't do it oh, hallelujah and all they can tell you is you know the facts say uh, this is probably going to happen you know the probability of this working out for you is a, is a bad chance and you shouldn't do it amen and they say don't trouble the master don't even trouble trying amen I want people around me amen that will help me think objectively if I'm about to jump off a cliff and tell me I don't think that's a good idea and give me good reasoning why but I also got people that can get in my company and say hey we can do this we are well able if God be for us who can be against us I had a friend I'm off my notes, but let's just do it. We're having church here tonight. I've been teaching for far too long. I've been ready, ready and ready and revving to preach. Amen. But, but I've had people in my life that when I was evangelizing and I was broke and I didn't know what I was going to do and I didn't know if I was going to have enough gas to get to the next revival. I had people that I that I had loved and I'd learned to trust and I had in my home church and 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 I, and, and they and I called them and I, I just I just started talking to them and and quickly the Lord started revealing to me they were good for a season. But now they're not thinking positive. They're not thinking faith. They're not thinking. They're not even where you are right now. And they started saying, well, you know what you should do? You should give up that whole idea of ministry. You should come and get a nice job back. Get your nice job back with your 401K, your health benefits. You should just come back. You had a great, you had things going. You had a house. You could just move right back in. And they started giving me all these things. Amen. But the Bible was reminding to me, Jesus heard 
heard it and he said fear not only believe there's got to be another voice outside the messenger of negativity that comes and shows up and says hey I know you got reasons to fear I know you got every right to fear I know all the facts line up the probability is not in your favor but I want to give you another word you got to have faith you got to believe only let's stand all across the building lift up our hands come on let's pray let's pray in faith here today let's pray in faith here today Come on, I, I want us to bring our petition and I want us to have the right posture and I, I want us to think of all the possibilities. I, I want us to come with an attitude that says, what is God about to do? Oh, somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. God, I know what prayer is. We've been teaching about it. God, I know what prayer can do. The answers of prayer, are, they're, they're, they're enumerated in the Bible. But Lord, when I come to pray, I want to come with the right things. I want to come with the right prerequisites that say, Lord, if I bring these before you, you're going to hear from heaven. You're going to heal my land. You're going to forgive my sins, Jesus. I want to make sure that I'm bringing those before the Lord. Praise God. It's interesting to me that Jesus would often say it this way. According to your faith, be it done unto you. I know we like to blame God and we like to blame everybody else and the preacher didn't pray good enough. According to your faith. Yours. And it could be that my issue is my faith. Not your faith, not the church's faith, not the preacher's faith. It could be that I, I'm not coming with I'm not coming with the prerequisite of faith. It says, Lord, I know what all the facts say. Anybody that just says, let's ignore the facts, they're crazy. We walk by faith and not by sight, but that doesn't mean we walk with our eyes closed. In fact, sometimes people that have greater faith are the people with their eyes wide open. Peter had his eyes wide open. He's like, yeah. I've been fishing my whole life, and I know that if I step out on that water, I'm probably going to sink because I've been on the water my whole life. But he also had eyes of faith that said, hey, there's water in the boat. We're all walking on water. So I can decide whether I walk on water with a boat underneath me and a safety net beneath me, or I walk on water to Jesus where no one else is. I stick with everybody else that is intent on seeing this boat go down or I step out of it with the one that can lift me up above the storm. There's decisions that got to be made. I've got one more that I want to tell you here today, but I'm not going to preach it. I'm going to let you think about it. My petition, I'm coming in faith. I'm coming with humility. But guess what? I'm coming with passion. I'm coming with passion. I'm coming with fervent prayer. 
this is before I even step in to the match, before I ever step in the ring, uh, before I ever step into church. Uh, I made it up in my mind. Uh, I'm giving it my all. Uh, I might sweat my suit out, but I'm giving it my all. Uh, I might cry my eyes out, but I'm giving it my all. Uh, I'm giving God all of my passion. James 5 and 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We like that. But let me connect it for somebody. He continues, Elias or Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. That's saying he's a human just like you and me. You know, it's so easy to deify everybody in the Bible and, and make them a, a character in some novel. And they just, they just did all these magical and great things. And there's nobody like them on the earth. No, 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 no. Elijah was a man and just like you and I are human beings. And he had passions just like us. But I want you to notice the difference. And he prayed. There's a difference. He was just like you and I. But he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. I know people say, well, I, I don't have any passion. Preacher, just excuse me from worship, excuse me from prayer. I have no passion, and I'm just a very calm in, in person. I'm very intellectual, and I get that. That's all right. But if you were to find something in their world, they're going to be something they're passionate about. It might be a sports team. It might be the beautiful, great outdoors. There's going to be something that if you took away from it, it'd bring tears to their eyes. There's going to be something that if you were to add to them, there's not one person that if I were to show up to your door with a check for $33 billion, you wouldn't just do a little jig and shout. You wouldn't be afraid to look stupid in front of everybody else. You know why? Because there's something you're passionate about. And the only difference, amen, that with Elijah and everybody else was that he he was a man that had passions, but one of the things he did was he brought his passion into his prayer life. Amen. Maybe you're not passionate about things other people are passionate about, but can you tap into the reservoir of your passion and bring it to the house of the Lord? Can you tap into your passion for something else and say, Lord, if I'm that passionate for that, I'll be that much more passionate in prayer. I'll be that much more passionate in worship. I'll be that much more passionate in church. Amen. God, I refuse to not bring my passion. There was something, by the way, Jesus prayed. The disciples and everybody else around noticed there was something different. I'll tell you what it was. Passion. My Bible says that when he prayed in the garden, he prayed as it were great drops of blood. He was passionate. And the Bible would even say that he showed himself alive after his passion. I think it's important that everybody coming to church, we ought to bring with us our passion. When we go to pray, we ought to bring with us our passion. Don't use the excuse you're not a passionate person. You're passionate about something. You just got to say, Lord, I'm going to shift. Amen. Elijah was passionate just like me, but he shifted it to prayer. He shifted it to the things of God. And I won't use that as an excuse, Lord. I might have been passionate about other things, but Lord, I'm going to start to shift and make myself passionate for you. One more and then we're done praying. Hannah prayed with such groaning and such bitterness of heart 
In other words, she was afflicted. She was hurting. She was letting her passion show. She didn't have a kid. She said, Lord, I want you to see her passion. If you would give me a child. I'll give him back to you. No razor will ever touch his head. He will have upon him the Nazarite vow. I will deliver him back to the house of the Lord to be a servant of the Lord. Amen. You know what it was? She was saying, I'm passionate about having a kid. I'm passionate about my request. And I'm bringing it before you, Lord. And I'm so passionate. I'm willing to bring everything and lay it all on the table. She was so passionate. Brother Morgan. The Bible says the preacher came in and slapped her because she thought she was drinking. I wouldn't have slapped you right. That would have been a great object lesson. He slapped her because he thought she was getting drunk in church. But what it was was passion. It was passion going into prayer. I want to tell you, church, we've got to have humility. We've got to have faith. We've got petitions. Amen. We've got to have those petitions. We've got to bring before the Lord. But when we show up, it's the effectual, fervent, passionate prayer that actually accomplishes something. Amen. There's something about being passionate and letting it move my heart that starts to move the heart of God. And you better believe it that Hannah got the very thing that she was passionately praying for. And you and I can have the same things that we are passionately seeking God for. I want you to lift up your hands. I'm done preaching. Somebody lift up your hands. What is it that's your petition? We all got one. It could be you got to humble yourself to the place where you're willing to actually pray about your petition. It could be that you've got so many logical, factual, amen, circumstantial things that you got to say, Lord, increase my faith. Help me to see through the right lens. Or it could be you got all of that. But when you go to pray, you're just not praying. You're, you're not really there. You're not really passionate. And you can say, Lord, from this day forward, I'm not going to pray and just worry about everything else but I'm going to pray with faith I'm going to pray with humility I'm going to pray with passion I want to open up this altar would you come what prayers could God answer in this next week if we started taking these prerequisites with us what miracles are available to his church if we start with the prerequisites, I'm going to humble myself before you, Lord. I know you're greater than I am. Lord, I'm setting aside all of my facts. I'm setting aside all of what it looks like. And I'm stepping out in faith, God. What are the possibilities? I'm laying aside my pessimisms. I'm laying aside all these things that could go wrong, and I'm saying, God, what could go right? What could you do when you step in? With God, nothing shall be impossible. Or it could be, Lord, I lost my passion along the way. I mean, I prayed it for so long. I lost my passion about it. But today, I'm going to bring my passion back. I want you to pray in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray with humility. Somebody pray with faith. Somebody pray with passion. 
God, I've got to have an answer. God, I've got to have an answer. That's it. If my people, if my people, you got decisions to make and I got decisions to make, will I bring with me my prerequisites of prayer? Will I bring with my prerequisite? Will I bring in faith? Will I bring humility? Will I bring passion? Those are prayers God answers. So. 